0: We've known for many decades that reading aloud to children, starting when they're very young, enriches their lives in a great many ways. I wonder if anyone's tested just how adult lives are also enriched when we read aloud to children. When I was still in the hospital with my first baby, I started reading to him, and when we came home, I read to him once or twice every day, even while he was a clueless newborn. Russ and I both especially enjoyed Helen Oxenberry's charming baby board books and any of Sandra Boynton's sublimely silly stories. Babies are a captive audience, and when I was up late nursing one when I wanted to be reading a paper in the AUK, the journal. Journal of the American Ornithologist's Union, or an article in the New Yorker or Newsweek, well, I could do two things at once by reading it aloud to the baby. I've never yet heard any study showing how reading to a baby keeps a parent up on ornithological research or current events, but in my case, it did. By the time my kids and now Walter were walking, even before they had many words, they were choosing books for me to read. Toddlers and preschoolers often get fixated, wanting the same book over and over and over. As you might expect from a person whose absolute favorite birds are chickadees and blue jays, I'm one of the lucky adults who doesn't get sick of the same things over and over and over. So when my son Tom got fixated on Good Night Moon when he was one and two, I loved reading it to him two or three times every single day for months, and I never found it boring. Indeed, the repetition was what helped me notice how as the evening progresses, the time on the mantel clock and the moon's position in the sky change. Joey and Katie were very tolerant of hearing goodnight moon endlessly, too. I usually read aloud to my kids every day right after Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which we all watched together just before nap time and Russ and I took turns doing bedtime duty. Each child chose their own book, and they all got entirely into the habit of listening to each other's stories as well as their own. As they got older and moved on to chapter books, I'd read one chapter, two or three, if all three kids were so engaged that they all wanted that story. From the start, Russ or I also got to choose our own book each night, though if we were exhausted or it was the night Saint Elsewhere was on TV and we needed to hurry a bit, we'd forego our own choice. Beverly Cleary's Ramona books had Russ and me both so engaged that whoever didn't have bedtime duty usually stayed in the living room to hear the story too. All three kids went through a dinosaur phase and a shovel truck phase, and even though I'd never found either all that interesting before, the children's fascination was contagious. Of course, I wanted my fascination for birds to be equally contagious, so I'd throw lovely real-life stories like Jane Yolen's lyrical Owl Moon into the mix as soon as it came out in 1987. Indeed, for a while, I was as fixated on that book as Tommy had been on Goodnight Moon, and the kids were just as tolerant since they each got to choose their own story, too. I made plenty of mistakes as a mother. Babies don't come with a user manual, and if they did, it would be impossibly long, and you'd need a whole different one for each baby. But one thing Russ and I must have done right was to show them how to respect one another's interests and even... to learn cool stuff just because one of the others was interested. Many children's picture books that were ostensibly written for children are far more interesting for adults. Biographies of real people fall into that category. Last year, I received a copy of a lovely picture book written and illustrated by Andrea D'Aquino, She Heard the Birds, the story of Florence, Mary, Bailey, pioneering nature activist, about one of my personal heroes. The story is beautifully written for small kids, and I love it. But Walter, whose only experience with guns is a couple of pages of Horton Hatches the Egg simply cannot grok how long ago people who studied birds shot them to study them close up. The two times I read she heard the birds to him, he was engaged, but he's never once chosen it on his own. Books about lovely individual birds like the beautiful Piping Plover Summer by my own good friend Janet Regal are interesting once or twice too, but Walter has never seen any shorebirds yet so doesn't quite understand. Jennifer Richard Jacobson's lovely Oh Chickadee, published just this year, is more to Walter's liking because it's about a bird he knows very well. He's interested when I read it to him, but again, he's much more likely to choose Are You My Mother for himself, and I have to pretend to like it. Next time, I'll talk about some of Walter's favorite storybooks, some more realistic than others, in which fairly realistic birds are important characters. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.